Welcome to the Becoming Your Best Version. I am your host, Maria Leonard Olson. I am a civil litigation attorney based in Washington, D.C. I also am a podcaster, mentor to women in long-term recovery, journalist and author, and a TEDx speaker. If you would kindly go to my TEDx talk and hit like, it moves it up in the visibility algorithm, and I believe it has a capacity to help a lot of people. You can learn more about me at marialeonardolson.com and follow me on social media at 50 after 50. So I get the honor and pleasure of interviewing inspiring women whose paths have crossed mine in the hope of spreading some of their wisdom and elevating your lives, you listeners. So today I have Holly Copeland, a certified human potential coach and biofield tuning practitioner, neuro meditation and subtle energy meditation teacher, as well as a Reiki master. She teaches non-dual awareness and subtle energy meditation techniques and uses neurotechnology Reiki and tuning forks in transformative quantum healing experiences and inner coaching work. Holly's childhood passion for maps, the environment, technology and spirituality initially led her to a 25 year career as a conservation scientist, mapping the earth's ecosystems with GPS. Heartbroken by the state of the planet, coupled with a personal health crisis, she set out on a new path of healing and transformation. She shifted her focus from exterior to interior and rewired her brain to a state of resilience and joy. Founder of Heart Mind Alchemy, and as a former scientist turned meditation, meditation teacher and coach, Holly unites ancient, ancient wisdom with modern science and harnesses modern technology and neuroscience to empower clients on their path to human flourishing and upgrading from ordinary mind to luminous awareness. She guides people out of the muddy waters of the thinking mind to live in flow joyfully and effortlessly from their own inner compass, their own stable ground of being. You can learn more about her work at heartmindalchemy.org. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Maria. I'm so delighted to be here. Well, Holly is joining us from the West Coast of the U.S., north of San Francisco, and I currently am in Lima, Peru, another place that has many different spiritual aspects that I am feeling so lucky to be a part of and to experience. I'm heading off to Machu Picchu and the Sacred Valley next week. So Holly, tell us, how did you make a shift from, some might argue, one side of the brain to the other in your work? You went completely in a different direction. So how did that happen? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, you know, it happened out of necessity and it happened coming from a place of just life was falling apart. Um, it was about four years ago and I, um, a little bit as the biography read, I was a conservation scientist working for the Nature Conservancy and I found myself after a, you know, 
pretty robust career with them just um, in despair, in despair about the planet and kind of brokenhearted and feeling like there would never be enough. Like there just would never be enough time, money or resources to save the planet. And it was just like that, that groundhog day feeling of waking up the next day and doing the thing again, and then waking up the next day and doing the thing again. And I just recognized that I couldn't find the joy in my life, even though Maria like made no sense because when I stood there and objectively looked at it, it was like, well, um, I have a nice home and a beautiful community and I have healthy children and I have a good job and a loving husband. So there's no reason why I should be unhappy. It just didn't make sense. And so it was a kind of moment of taking stock of, <coughs> excuse me, if I can't find ha happiness here in this situation, then I'm doing something wrong. I should be able to find it. And, and so I went on an inner journey in order to, I decided that it just must not be on the outside that there, that I basically needed to fix the inner wiring. And there was something on the inside that I really needed to fix. And so that was the, I literally wrote at the top of my journal in 2019, my rewire my brain project. And I set about learning about everything I could about the brain and brain health and starting with learning about things like alpha and theta brain waves and how to get into more open um, states of mind through meditation and through some simple practices like just being aware of the space between your ears, which is a technique from, um, uh, oh goodness, I'm blanking on his name right now. I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but he, sorry, Les Fermi, Dr. Les Fermi, and he wrote this incredible book called The Open Focus Brain. And he talks about, you know, how the alpha brainwave state, which is this very stable state that we're in, or when you're in an alpha brainwave state, you're in a more stable state. And yet, from everything that I can tell, and from what he was saying, this busy brain waves, this busy brain that we are all in, this uh, very distracted jumping from thing to thing, it's not natural. It's not how we were, you know, biologically wired, right? We came up through forests and savannas. And so it's, it's a process of bringing your brain literally back into a more natural state from that beta brain wave, constant thinking into a quieter mind. So I started working on techniques to train my brain into that. And that was amazing. And I had some shifts within weeks of just doing, you know, listening to binaural beat music and taking some supplements like L-theanine to help quiet my brain and which is the supplement in green tea. And, you know, so I'm doing these things and then I ran across a, I befriended a meditation teacher in a Facebook community I was, I was in, and he invited me to join a meditation group. And that led me down a giant rabbit hole of inner spiritual work with him and with meditation and started studying some of the ancient mystical traditions like Tibetan bond tradition of Zojin and Mahamudra and, um, I started studying astrology with him. I started um, learning about vibration and vibrational resonance in the universe and consciousness. And oh my goodness, anyway, <laughs> it really changed my life in every single way. And 
I also did plant medicine journeys and experimented with that. And in all of that, um, I quit my job. I, it, it worked so well that I just basically decided that I wanted to teach and coach people in what I had learned and what changed my life so dramatically. I started studying um, vibration and vibrational healing. And now I practice vibrational healing work as a biofield tuning practitioner and breath work. So, and I got divorced and my kids went away to college and I, you know, live on my own for the first time in ever. So I just like basically 360 my or 180'd my whole life. And yes, uh, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those who are not uh, familiar with it, what do you mean when you say you help clients on their path to human flourishing and upgrading from ordinary mind to luminous awareness? It's a great question. So the Zojin and Mahamudra t- traditions of Buddhism that I studied, these are Tibetan traditions point out something called ordinary, I'm going to call ordinary mind. And this is like this sense that we have that there's a me in here looking at a world out there and it creates a duality. So it has, we have a very fixed identity sense of a a little me in here and a world out there. And what these teachings point to and these actually, I'm going to say these great truths actually are found in all the spiritual traditions. When you look at it, actually all spiritual pointing is heading, pointing this out in different ways. But in Zojin and Mahamudra, they point to it a little more directly so that you could even experience it right now. So, you know, I could point out to, to you or to listeners right now, if you just sort of, if you don't mind, if I just kind of do a couple minute sort of example of this, Mm -hmm. if you just gaze your eyes at an object, so maybe I'm looking at a lamp and just see what you're looking at. And you notice the lamp and you notice, you know, the object, you notice it has boundaries and edges to it. It's feels solid and defined. And then you kind of bring your attention away from that into this knowing awareness, the space of being in which that is knowing the object that you're looking at. And you and you turn your attention to that and just notice the qualities of that awareness. So does that awareness, for example, have edges and boundaries or is it open and limitless? Hmm. And I'll ask you, Maria, like, what do you notice? Hmm. Well, I I think inviting me to change my perspective of awareness itself is a useful thing for all of us to do that. uh, I've heard other teachers say things like we are at one with the universe and I never really understood it. But now I think the way you have framed it is much more understandable because it is a matter of adjusting or expanding your perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Sorry. Well, was there more? No, more thank I you say? for um, expanding my awareness. I, I am someone who moves between very different spheres in my work. So I work 
by day, usually as a civil litigation attorney, which is all about proof. And you were a scientist, which is also about empirical evidence. So how do you make a shift from that to that which cannot be proved? Yeah. <laughs> how did well, you do it? You know, I think what's really... Um... What we're caught in 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 scientific proof is it's actually a kind of narrowly defined. We narrowly define what proof is in a in in the scientific um, world and kind of repeatable experimental. And what I find, um, I mean, that's fine. That's served humanity in advancing, you know, technology in a, in a number of useful ways. And what we, however, what we have systematically discounted over and over again is the proof of our own experience. So I don't ask people to take any of the work that I do or what I'm pointing to with them, like what we just did. I'm not asking you to believe anything. I'm not asking you to take anything on faith. I, I'm simply asking you to see for yourself what's true. And, and if we were to say, actually, that's actually the foundation of science is, is to not take something on belief, but to see for ourselves what's true. Mm. It's just that in science, traditionally, we discount the first person experience. And this is asking you to take that first person experience more seriously mm. to say, I'm not going to discount what I'm knowing or experiencing. And I'm going to oh, love that. It, you know? Wow. Right? Like, yeah. it's beautiful. So that's all. It's just, it's a, it's a way of seeing and a way of looking at your first person experience maybe differently than you have before mm -hmm. and inviting people to do that. And like with the case of awareness to see, oh, there's this open, limitless space here right now in everything that appears that's different from all the objects which seem closed and defined. And yet we focus on all the objects and that's where we get contracted and bound up. But if we, if we, if we do a foreground, it feels like a foreground background shift and we bring from the background this open limitless space, that is the, the I am, the infinite, source consciousness that's spoken about in all of the in great spiritual texts it's yeah. just that we overlook it or don't see it because we discount it wow wow really fascinating and how do you employ neurotechnology which i'm not even sure what that is reiki and tuning forks in helping your clients yeah well thank you i mean uh those three I do differently. And it really depends on those three are all separate areas, I should say. And it depends on um, what people are most drawn to in the work that I do. Okay. So some people, I'll, I'll just quickly touch on them. So with neurotechnology, there's a device called the Muse headband. Um, you can find a link to it on my website and resources. And it's this really cool piece of technology that measures brain waves. And what was an aha for me when I put it on was I could hear 
the quality of my brain. So like before, when I was talking about beta brain waves and how we're caught in the busy mind, which I definitely was when I came into this, I didn't know what a quiet mind felt like. And what the Muse headband did was it helped me feel, it helped me hear what a quiet mind sounded like, because as I quieted my mind, the sound, the feedback from the device basically went from a busy mind of heavy rain to a quiet mind of like a just soft, gentle rain. And if I got really quiet, there was no rain. Mm. So it, it turned that kind of black box of the mind of like, how do I know if I'm doing it right into a, 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 an audio, you know, feedback on what quiet mind sounds like. Mm. And how about the tuning forks? How do you use those? And with tuning forks, which is one of the primary modalities I use with my work with people. So everything's vibration. We are vibrational beings in a vibrational universe and tuning forks work with the vibrational field around the body. So we don't stop at the edges of our body, but we go out about six feet and we have this field, this electromagnetic field we're swimming in a field of vibration, by the way. I mean, everything's vibrational and we're swimming in a field of vibration. And, and that the thoughts and emotions that we feel in, that feel like they're inside our body actually live as vibrations in a field six feet outside of our body. So I bring um, tuning forks into someone's field. And just like I can tune a musical instrument that has an out of tune string back into resonance with the whole guitar. I can use a tuning fork to tune the strings of dissonant emotions and thought patterns in your field to help bring people, you, whoever I'm working with back into a more resonant harmonious state within of their whole being, their whole, not just the body, but the whole field. So to me, my my experience, my I'm going to say my view of the, the way the world works is that we're like a symphony, a song playing. Our bodies and our vibrational field is like a symphony. And there are what we experience as difficult emotions like anger or sadness or frustration are like out of tune strings in a in a symphony of us. And the tuning forks help to bring those dissonant vibrations back into harmony. Wow. Wow. Sounds like something anyone could use. Yeah, it's pretty universally, uh, yeah, helpful. Like, yeah, where I work on all kinds of different, with people, all kinds of different people. With and it. some of your offerings also improve one's sleep and energy and mm -hmm. just cultivate, well, the self-sustaining meditation practice, clearing one's mind. So it sounds like there are multiple positive effects from the different modalities that you use. There definitely are. And now I do breath work as well. Um, I didn't mention it in my bio, but I'm recently certified in breath of love. And so that's very powerful as well um, to restore flow. I mean, disease is basically, it's a dissonance, but it's also a place where there's lack of flow of energy in the body. And so breath is extremely powerful at bringing flow back and, you know, unwinding these stuck places. And you also offer something called neuro meditation, which is mm -hmm. unlike most 
levels of meditation. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. Neuromeditation is was founded by the Neuromeditation Institute, Dr. Jeff Tarrant. And what neuromeditation does is you um, you take a survey and work with me and we we look at what style of meditation would be most beneficial. And so different styles, it's based on the premise, like I was talking about before about brain waves, the different styles of meditation benefit the brain and body. They work and act on the brain and body differently. And so, you know, one style of meditation, like a focused med meditation can be very helpful for people with ADHD or ADD or any kind of, you know, where there's a lack of focus. Um, whereas heart-based meditations can be really helpful for people with depression as just some simple examples. So neuromeditation is just a way of targeting meditation to help people um, with whatever, you know, issues that are most prominent in their lives. Beautiful. What were your close friends and family reactions to this very notable pivot in your life? Well, that's a beautiful question. Well, um, for the most part, very supportive. Um, parents and family were very supportive. I think my daughters took some adjustment for them to adjust to their mom, you know, who had always been a scientist, conservation scientist, going to um, doing energy healing work, which can seem pretty woo woo and, you know, unscientific. But really, when you dive into it and you understand it, there's incredible amounts of science now that are validating energy work. Um, and well, my husband, I got divorced. So, <laughs> you know, it, there were some, there were some things that we had to work through on that and, or, you know, didn't necessarily were the easiest, but that's relationship, isn't it? It has its challenges for sure. And, yeah. Yes, definitely. And I encourage all of you to take a look at her website because she has a lot of really interesting offerings and resources articles, uh, products that she recommends, brainwave tracking and tools, all kinds of things. If you want to learn more about these modalities, which are so healing and, um, and useful in our very rushed world that needs so much mending. Mm -hmm. So because you know firsthand, maybe even more so than most of us, how hurting our planet is. Do you do anything anymore to help ease the pain and pollution and damage to Mother Earth? Is that part of what you do anymore? Yeah, well, thanks for that question. I mean, in my personal choices, I do things to just lighten the load, you know, organic food, you know, support, you know, the, the obvious kind of recycling, living with a small footprint as much as I can, those kinds of things. Um, and the way I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question in two ways. So I saw my transition, not as abandoning my environmental work, but seeing that it, it was try, trying to kind of solve the environmental issue where I was trying to solve it felt like putting a bandaid on a giant gaping wound and that the problem actually is the people that are so hurting is where the solution lies. And so I see my work that every person that I work with, 
um, is essentially helping the environmental problem because I'm helping people to come back to loving and knowing themselves as love. And to me, that's what's going to create the healed people is what's going to help heal the planet. So I really see my work in healing people as where the environmental solution lies. Um, and that said, I do have some, you know, environmental organizations um, like the pa Pachamama Alliance and um, uh, a, f a fund in Africa that supports um, rehabilitating or orphaned elephants. So I have some few like projects, mm -hmm. environmental projects that are my sweet pet projects. Um, and ultimately, I actually hope to do a lot more of that work once my business really gets going. I, I want to um, do even more of that. Great, great. Yeah. Well, most people at least, well, I'll speak for myself. I am not very knowledgeable at all about brain training wearables to mm -hmm. rewire oneself for calm, focused, and flow. Can you explain a little bit about what people use those for? Sure. So there are, um, there's a greater and greater understanding that, so if we're vibration, vibration then, and, and our bodies are vibration, we respond really well to anything vibrational. So that includes light and sound, right? So um, there are a number of different types of devices that, that are understood to help shift the brain. So for example, brainwave entrainment is something like if you've heard of binaural beats, maybe you have, may your may, listeners may or may not. So Binaural beats is a form of sound healing where you put two different frequencies in each ear. So I'm going to give you an example. If you have, if you put a 90 Hertz sound in one ear and a hundred Hertz sound in the other, the difference between 90 and hundred is 10 and 10 is the frequency of alpha, which is the calm brainwave frequency. And what scientists discover have discovered is that when our brain will do this little correction between the 90 and 100 and produce more alpha when you get the, that offset binaural beat. Oh. And so it's an example of listening to a binaural beat alpha music can help create more alpha in your brain. So uh, that's called brainwave entrainment when you do that. Uh, you can pair that with lights. So there are devices that have um, lights flashing at, at, you know, theta and alpha frequencies as well that will also help calm and bring the brain into, into that sort of calmer brainwave state. So, um, you know, it's a very simple, there's, you know, lots on YouTube and um, other like Insight Timer is another favorite meditation app that's free. And there are some great binaural beat tracks there. There's also something called I Awake. Um, so there's places you can go to listen, to get these types of sound healing. Uh, and people, I really encourage people to play around with them because they really can make a big difference um, in you know calming a crazy busy mind. And I definitely had one. So I know, <laughs> I know how uncomfortable that is. And I guess my message is here to say, you don't have to live with that. That's very changeable with some simple frequency technologies. I'm also a big fan of tuning forks. Um, and you can do the same thing with tuning forks. You can put a C and a G um, on either side of your head 
Um, I love non-tech, to be honest, I love non-technical solutions. Like tuning forks are some of my favorite because they're not, they don't rely on a phone. And that I think there's some real power in, you know, the power of actual, like an actual tuning fork on either side of your head. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I like to ask all of the guests on this show a question which you've basically answered with everything that you've said so far, but uh, in a more succinct fashion, what do you do to become your best version? Yeah. <clears throat> well, part of me wants to answer and say, you know, all of the things I said before the, you know, thinking about the world vibrationally, seeing the world vibrationally using sound, light, meditation, food carries vibration. So what we eat, you know, infuses our body with vibration. And, and so I want to say all of those things. And I, and I will say they're all really important. Um, and, and then there's this part of me that wants to just give the very simple answer of, um, believing in the good in people, um, and the good and seeing the light and good goodness in your own heart. I think and trusting that and having faith in that. Beautiful. Probably more important than anything else you could possibly do. Wow, I love that answer. And it is different than any answer I've ever received. So thank you for that. And again, I would encourage all of you to go to heartmindalchemy.org. I'll also have in the show notes her social media, which includes a YouTube channel. And I thank you, Holly, for taking time out to spread your message of healing with our listeners. And I know that some of our listeners will benefit from your work and will sign up. So thank you so much. Thanks, Maria. I so appreciate the invitation. And um, just thanks to everybody listening. Um, just wishing all of you lots of light, love and blessings. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you.